Welcome to all. Tonight's class is dedicated by David and Ida Schattenstein in honor and tribute to their beloved children, Ari and Nina Schattenstein. Thank you very much. They tell the story about a Jew who used to walk in every evening to the bar. And he would order two glasses of Jack Daniels, make a toast, and drink them both. This was his ritual every single night of the week. One time the bartender asks him, he says, Why don't you diversify your menu? There are so many good drinks. Why is it always the same two large glasses of Jack Daniels? And the man responds, he says, I'll tell you. I was in a war with my best friend back in Vietnam. And each night we would take a drink of Jack Daniels. I would have a cup, he would have a cup, and we would make a toast to life and to our survival. Unfortunately, my best friend was killed in the war. And I want to immortalize our friendship forever. I want to carry the torch of our affection towards each other till the end of my life. So each night I come into the bar and I drink two cups of Jack Daniels. One glass I drink for my friend, and one glass I drink for myself. A moving tradition, the bartender does not ask him the question any longer. And so years go by, decades, decades go by. And this man continues to enter the bar every night to drink his two cups of Jack Daniels. One night, 30, 35 years later, he walks into the bar. Lo and behold, he orders one glass of Jack Daniels. The bartender is astonished. He looks at him and he says, What happened? Why one glass? And the man says, I'll tell you, I quit drinking. Now here we have a classical case of Jewish denial. Denial is not only a river in Egypt, as they say, but it's also part of people's lives. And tonight, we want to explore the music of intoxication, not only from a physical and practical point of view, but also from a psychological, emotional, spiritual, and even mystical point of view. This evening's class, we do not discuss a portion in the Torah, not a law, a commandment, a story, an episode, not a verse, not a word, and not even a letter. Tonight we explore a single musical note, to be sure, a rare musical note, which is found in this week's portion, the portion of Matis. As you know, when the Torah is read, it is read with taimim, trop, musical notes, cantillations, which is what makes it so skillful and difficult for the Balkori, for the person reading the Torah, to read it appropriately, because in the Torah scroll you do not have the notes. Hence, he must remember by heart the appropriate musical notes suitable to each word in that portion and read it accordingly. And so, there is a list of notes. And in this portion, we have a note that comes around only a few times a year. It's called... Mercha Chafula. If you look in your curriculums, curriculum source number one, you have the image 
the symbols of all of the cantillations of all of the musical notes with which we read the Torah, the second to the last, right before Yerach ben Yoimai, is Mercha Chafula, which looks like two commas. It is to be found only five times in the five books of Moses, in the Chamisha Chumshatayr and the Chumash. Only five times. And one of these times is in the portion of Matos. If you'll open your curriculum, under the video you have the curriculum to source number two. Let us read this Pasuk, this verse, where we have this note of Mercha Chifula. In fact, it's the concluding verse of the portion of Matas, discussing how two and a half tribes settled the Transjordan the eastern side of the Jordanian River, not entering into the western side of the Jordanian River, into the promised land with the remainder of the Jewish nation, but rather the members of the tribe of Reuven, Gad, and half of Menashe, settled parts of the Transjordan, of the eastern side of the Jordanian River. And thus the portion of Matas concludes, and I'm going to read it with the notes as you have it in your curriculums. In source number two, we put it with the notes. You'll see on the bottom or on top of each word, there is a symbol which represents the trop, the tam, the musical cantillation for that word. Which means, Novach, a man named Novach, went and conquered Knoss, the city called Knoss, and its daughters, its environment, its surroundings. And he called her with the name Novach, which was his name. He gave these cities his own name, Novach. On the word law, he called her, the city Knoss, and the surrounding cities, he called her Novach, the word law has under it the note called Merchachfula, as you'll see, it's two commas, a double Mercha, because there is another musical note which is extremely common in every portion, and we read it and we sing it frequently, which is a single Mercha. Mercha tibcha monaches nachta, so it's Mercha. This is a Mercha Kfula, it's not a single comma. It's a double comma, Mercha Kfula, which gives it a whole other type of musical structure. Mercha Kfula. And that's the law. He called her Neuvach on his name. This is the Mercha Kfula in the portion of Matis. By the way, in some traditions, this note is not called Mercha Kfula or Marcha Kfula, which means a double Mercha, but rather it's called Tretame which means a double note, two notes, because most of the musical notes are a single symbol. Rarely do you have two symbols. Every note is a single symbol. There are only three exceptions. The Gershayim, which has two sim- a double symbol, the Karnefara, which has a double symbol, and the Merchachfula, which has a double symbol, and hence it's called Trey Tame, two symbols. What is the significance of this rear musical note, and why does this law, her, receive this dramatic, extraordinary note? 
There are the reasons from a grammatical perspective, from a diktuk point of view, why there are five words in the Chumash that get a Merchachfula, discussed in the books of Hebrew grammar and reading of the Torah by Rabbeinu Tam, Radak, Rabbeinu David Kimchi and others, but that requires a thorough discussion of the structure and syntax of Hebrew grammar and the way the Torah was written beyond the scope of today's class, of tonight's class. Tonight we want to explore it from the Kabbalistic, mystical, Hasidic, and spiritual point of view. As I mentioned, this note comes around five times in the Chumash. The first one is at the end of Matos, which we just discussed. There is another one, and if you open up your curriculum to source number three, it's in the portion of Taldos. Taldos in Genesis chapter 27, verse 25. It discusses the fact how Yitzchak is aging, and he calls in his oldest son, Esau, and he says, go and hunt for me, and bring me a meal, and bring me a delicious meal, and I want to bless you for this meal. Instead, as we know, Yaakov, his brother, his twin brother, dresses up with the clothes, with the garments of Esau, and he brings in food to his father, and receives the blessings in lieu of Esau. In this verse, in source number 3, Taldos Chavzayin Chavay, Yitzchak speaks to Yaakov. Here again, we have a Merchak Fula, and let me read this Pasuk. Isaac tells Jacob, he says, Bring me the food, let me eat from the food which you have hunted in order that my soul shall bless you. Yaakov brings the food to Yitzchak and he eats it. Yaakov brings him wine and he, Yitzchak, drinks the wine. On the word loy, vayave loy yayin, Yaakov brings him wine. The him, the loy, receives a mercha chafula. Next, source number four in your curriculum. We have a mercha chafula in Shmini, Parshas Shmini. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. This is the dramatic story of the day that the tabernacle, the Mishkan, is dedicated. It's the first day of Nisan. Aaron is appointed to become the high priest together with his four sons who serve as Kohanim. Priests, Nadav, Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar. On this great day, when the divine presence comes back to dwell amongst the Jewish people, the new tabernacle and sanctuary has been dedicated Tragedy strikes Aaron, his family, and the Jewish nation as a whole. We read here in Shmini Yud Aleph. The children of Aaron, Nadav and Aviyu, each of them take a a shovel, they place within the shovel fire, they place on it incense, and they bring close to God an alien strange fire, which he did not instruct them to do. On the word loy, not, which he did not command them, that loy receives a merchachfula. Loy, 
Next. Source number five in your curriculum. Shmais. The book of Exodus chapter 5 verse 15. This describes the enslavement, the subjugation of the Hebrews in the land of Egypt under the king Pharaoh. And at some point after Moshe and Aaron, Moses and Aaron approach Pharaoh and ask him to set free the children of Israel, he only increases the burden of their work by increasing the quota of what they have to do before the Jews were given straw which they could then burn into bricks and build structures for Pharaoh. Now they have to go and collect and assemble the straw on their own. And the policemen in charge, the Jewish policemen in charge on the slave workers approach Pharaoh with a complaint. Source number five, Shmois Hetesvav. Vayava Yushaitrebene Israel, Vayitsaku El Paraile Mer, Lama Sasechoi Lavadecha. The policemen of the children of Israel come and they scream, they cry out to Pharaoh, Why shall you do thus to your servants? Why shall you do? Sasa receives a Merchachfula. Next, number six in your curriculum. This is in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 3. Shlach. Here we discuss the story of the scouts, of the spies, which come back from the land of Israel and give a report to the Jewish people which dissuades them from entering into the land, drains them from their willingness to go and take on their new mission of entering, conquering, and settling the Holy Land, Eretz Israel, and the nation breaks down into mass hysteria. They come screaming to Moshe. And what do they say? Shlach Yudalad Yud Gimel. Why, the Jewish people ask, is God bringing us to this land just to be defeated by the sword? Just that our wives and children should be robbed? It would have been much better for us to come back to Egypt, to go back to Egypt. The word toiv, it would have been better for us, better, good, gets a merchachfula. And thus... We have the five Merchich in Chumash. According to the order, the first one is in Parshas Toldos, when Jacob brings wine to his father Isaac, Yaakov, to Yitzchak, and he drinks the wine. The second time is in Shmois, when the policemen are asking Pharaoh, why would you do this to your servants? The third time we have it in Shmini, when Nadav and Aviyu offer an alien fire, which God has not commanded them to do. And then you have the fourth time in Shlach when the Jewish people cry out, it would have been good for us to return to Egypt. And the fifth and final time is in Parshas Matos when a man named Neivach titles, calls the city which he conquers, Kenos in the Transjordan. He calls her with the name Neivach, his own name. That's it. Only these five times in the Chumash. Now, Two of them, we can use our own imagination and sense some meaning here. The note, the musical note of Merchich Fula represents, most people would say, an intense, dramatic sense of yearning. 
of lamentation, of aspiring. That in two of the cases we understand the association very clearly. In Parshas Shmois, the police come to Pharaoh and say, these are slave laborers, you deprive them from everything. They have no freedom, they have no liberty. They are virtually in a concentration camp, completely deprived of all their dignity and freedom. And now you simply make it unbearable. Why would you do this? Why would you do this to your servants? We can understand it in Shlach. The Jewish people feel that their future is hopeless. They enter into a state of despair. And they ask Moshe, why did you take us out of Egypt to bring us to a land we would be killed by the sword? Better to be a living slave than a free man dead. Taiv, taiv. It would have been better to be in Egypt. I can understand it. I can get it. But the other three, what is their connection to Merchachafula? But here we see something extraordinary and astonishing. In the three other places where there is a Merchachafula, the three other places, besides the first two, the other two which we just discussed, Shmois and Shlach, where we can sense the context in both cases. There is intense crying, lamentation, yearning, missing something. Some form of nostalgia. What did somebody once say? Eh, nostalgia today is not even what it used to be like. We can get the association, but in the other three, we see something remarkable. Namely, all of them are given to words which have two letters. And each of these three places, the words begin with a lamed. But the conclusion of the word is a little different. In the first case in Toldois, Vayave loy yayin vayesht. Loy, he brings him, lamed vav. In the second case, shmini, nadavanaviyu, asher loy tziva oisam, which he did not command them. Loy, lamed aleph. In the third case, in Matos, Vayikra la noivach bishmoi. The merchachfula is on the law, lamed hey. So in one case, it's lamed vav. In another case, it's lamed aleph. In a third case, it's lamed hey. This itself tells us that there's something deeper being conveyed here. There is a story behind this musical note. The Zayar. One of the foundational, or the foundational book of Kabbalah, of Jewish mysticism. In the portion of Balak, page 189, Kuf gives us a perspective. And you can open up your curriculum, source number 7, in your curriculum right under the video, Zoyar Parshas Balak. The Zoyar discusses here the first Merchechefula in Toldais. Chanoich Metatrin Amar. The angel called Chanoich Metatrin. The Zoyer is quoting here an angel. Says, Vayave lo yayin. Yaakov brought wine to Yitzchak. Da arme maye bahu yayin. Yaakov diluted the wine with water. 
He mixed in water into the wine. If Yaakov would have not diluted the wine with water, he could have not contained it. That's how strong the wine was. The Zayar says, or the one who's narrating this, it was a child, says, Chanoich Metatron spoke well, he's right. Or begin kach for this reason, Amshich loy betrei tame. The Torah extends the word loy into two musical notes. Not a single mercha, but a double mercha, mercha chfula. The habitrein sitrin achit. Because Yaakov was synthesizing two polarities, two sides. Wine and water. And hence the loy, he brought him wine, is an extended note. It's not just vayave loy yayin swiftly. It's a long extended loy with a merchachfula, a double one, to represent the fact that he mixed water into the wine. What is the meaning of the zayar? How are we to understand this? And what would be the connection with the other merchachfulas in the loy with an aleph and the la with a hay? There is a fascinating work called Lakute Levi Yitzchak, a commentary on the Zohar, which was authored by a man named Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson. He was the chief rabbi of the Ukrainian city Yakutrinislav, which later, after the revolution in 1917, was changed to Dnepropetrovsk. He was the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson passed away in the middle of the war in 1944. He was arrested by the communists, exiled, died in exile in Kazakhstan. Actually, his yard site is soon coming up on the 20th day of Av. And in his commentary to the Zoyar, in Parshas Shmini, Lekutei Levi Yitzchak Parshas Shmini, he elaborates, he gives it perspective. It's his commentary which serves as the source of the following explanation, together with some other references from other sources and some elaboration and explanation according to the way that I understood at least part of his message. By no means will our presentation this evening even exhaust the topic somewhat. What we will do, hopefully, is at least scratch the surface and discover a tip of the iceberg of the layers upon layers of significance of even a single musical note in the Torah. There are two forces. There is wine and there is water. Yayin and Mayim. What the Zohar is telling us here is Yayin and Mayim, wine and water, are not only just two different liquids. And they obviously don't only have two different effects on the person drinking them. They actually represent two paradoxical, two very different forces. And the way Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, explains this Zohar in Torah Ur, in his magnum opus, Torah Ur, in the portion of Ayishlach is thus. Yitzchak is very much associated with wine. Avram, his father, is very much associated with water. 
There is another difference between Avram and Yitzchak. Well known in the works of Kabbalah and Hasidus Jewish mysticism, Avram is associated with water. Yitzchak is associated with fire. Mayim and Eish. What is so unique about fire is, fire is never complacent. Fire never relaxes. Fire is always soaring, rising, trying to detach from the wick, licking the ear, dancing, swaying, attempting to kiss heaven. Fire represents psychologically and spiritually a lack of complacency, a sense of inner yearning, aspiring, pining to something higher, to something transcendent. Fire never relaxes. This represents a type of person, you may know such people, who are very tense, who are always experiencing a certain tension and don't know how to find resolution. They're yearning to go higher and higher. Fire also breaks down, it decomposes, it destroys everything that comes into its midst. It challenges everything to its core. It deconstructs. Fire-like people challenge everything, everybody, beginning with themselves. It's a sense of tension. Water, on the other hand, can also be very wild and chaotic. Unfortunately, we know about tsunamis and hurricanes. And, uh, uh, water can, of course, go wild and become extremely turbulent. But water can also be contained. Water can be contained in a cup, in a glass, in a bowl, in a pool. Water can become tranquil, serene flow with a sense of serenity and tranquility. And thus water represents the contrast of fire. Not tension, but resolution. Acceptance of what is, rather than challenging what is to go beyond the construct, to go beyond any limitation. Fire goes upwards. Water can go downwards. Avram Avinu, we say in the prayers for rain, of Remember the father who was drawn to you like water. Yitzchak is defined as Pachad Yitzchak in Chumash Bereshis, the awe, the fear, the intensity of Yitzchak. Yitzchak went deeper and deeper. He challenged himself. He dug wells continuously. He didn't only dug, dug, dig wells outside of him. He dug wells within, within his own system, within his own psyche. Always striving and yearning to rise, to transcend. Yitzchak himself almost transcended as an offering in the famous story of the Akedah on the altar when his father bonded, bounded him on the Akedah. Fire and water. Chesed, Gvura. Chesed is grace, love, kindness, the flow of kindness. Gvura is strength, tension, yearning, aspiring. Two very different personalities. Within the world of liquids itself, Yayin, wine, is associated with Yitzchak, while water is associated with Avraham. You see, the difference between uh, water and wine, everybody knows, you're thirsty, it's a hot summer day, it's hot right here in this room, you take a drink of water to quench your thirst, to calm you down, to relax you. What wine does, wine triggers very intense emotions in people. And wine sometimes allows people to go outside, to go beyond their system, their structure. Not always to their benefit. 
the intoxicating effect of wine is, as the rabbis say in the Talmud, wine enters and secrets come out. In fact, the word yayin and the word soid share the same gematria, the same numerology. Yayin is 70 and soid is 70. When a person drinks, becomes inebriated, intoxicated, they often go out of their regular self. Every person has certain vessels, certain containers, certain constructs in which we operate, in which we communicate to other people, from which we do not leave. And yet what wine often does to people, it takes them out of those limitations. And thus, wine is very much associated with that force in life, with challenges and motivates and inspires people to go beyond their limited constructs. Yaakov Avinu brings wine. The job, the uniqueness, the function of Yaakov was to create a synthesis between the water of Avraham and the wine of Yitzchak. Hence the Zoyar says, Yitzchak Avinu by definition was all Gvura, tremendous, tremendously tense. And his son Esau in that way resembled his father more than Yaakov because Esau had the tension of his father. The difference of course was for Yitzchak the tension, the strength, the tremendous angst was directed towards himself, towards challenging himself, towards greater and deeper heights endlessly. By ace of his son, the tension was directed outwards towards other people and often developed into cruelty and selfishness and toughness. Yaakov's function was to synthesize the wine of Yitzchak with the water of, of Avraham. The reason why the blessings could not go to Esau is because Esau, although Esau had a soul which in many ways was deeper than Yaakov's soul, which is the reason that Yitzchak loved Esau and appreciated Esau because he knew what Esau's potential is as Esau's soul was rooted in the world of chaos rather than in the world of structure and integration. Esau's soul was rooted in the world of Tahu in Kabbalistic lingo, rather than in the world of Tikkun, of structure in Yaakov. Nonetheless, because of his chaos, it went wild. His chaos became dysfunctional. Instead of elevating his chaos, utilizing his tension to grow, his tension became a source of disintegration, of dysfunction, and even of destructive and negative behavior. And thus Yaakov had to receive the blessings and then ultimately one day would cheer them with Esau. And this is what the verse is saying here Kabbalistically. He brought wine to Yitzchak, but he had to dilute. The wine had to be diluted with water. This is the uniqueness of why Yaakov could contain and actualize and internalize the blessings of Yitzchak. And this is the first loy. Mechachfula is the note which represents that insatiable tension. You're not satiated. You're not satisfied. You're not complacent. It's that constant yearning, aspiration, pining, my thirst for you, my soul pines for you, in a barren desert, without water, there's fire, there's no water, there's ratzai, yearning, tension, there's no shuv, again, Kabbalistic lingo, there's no retreat, there's tension, there's no resolution, 
That's the Merchachfula. Yaakov's job then is to take that Merchachfula, put in water into the, into the wine. And then Yitzchak drinks it. And now Yitzchak's blessings can be shared with Yaakov because they have the water element. And this also explains why they have to be sheared with Yaakov. Now come to the next Merchachvul. Parshish Shmini. Nadav Open up your curriculums, number eight. Rashi in Shmini, chapter 10, verse 2, asks the question, why did Nadav and Aviyu die? And Rashi quotes, in number 8, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yishmael says, They entered into the sanctuary, intoxicated with wine. Teda prove, After their death, God warns the remainder, that they should not enter the sanctuary while under the influence of wine. The lie in Taldais Vayavei is associated with Yayin, wine. So the next lie in Shmini with Al Aleph is also associated with wine. God did not command them. What is the meaning that Nadav and Avihu went in drunk, inebriated to the Mikdash? Nadav and Avihu weren't simple alcoholics who were addicted to alcohol and could not contain themselves. Even in the day when the sanctuary is being dedicated, and for heaven's sake, they were chosen to be priests, to be kayanim. You would think, don't drink. No, they have to go and say l'chaim. That's a very impoverished interpretation. Navadavanaviyu were no simple addicts who could not hold back. And as we know, unfortunately, the curse of addiction is that people who are addicted sometimes lose complete control. I know, as some of you know, addicts, addicts to alcohol, addicts to other horrible addictions who have neglected the most sacred and special moments of their lives because of the addiction. I recently met a recovering alcoholic and I asked him, what caused you to recover? And here is a Jew who grew up in a very religious community, religious home, a very fine family, married with lots of children, but became addicted to alcohol, became addicted to cocaine, became addicted to gambling, sadly, unfortunately. And he found himself one Yom Kippur in the midst of the time of Ne'ilah, drinking. And he said at that moment he realized that he hit rock bottom. And from there his process of recovery began. So on a very external level we may associate this story with that. But that's not the case. How do I know? Because Moses tells Aaron after they die, These were the holiest Jews. Besides, in the Pasuk it says, the reason they died is because they offered God an alien fire. Rabbi Shmuel says they were drunk. But now we will understand the meaning. The nature of the fire which they offered is associated with the fire of Yitzchak and with the wine of Yitzchak. Nadav and Aviyu seeked and yearned for transcendence. Once they sensed the divine presence came into the world, 
They did not. They were annoyed. They were frustrated with the veil of our world which conceals the presence of God. They craved to quote the Erechayim in Shmini and in Achrimais. They craved to kiss God. They craved to experience complete intimacy with God. The Erechayim says that Nadav and did not abstain from reaching the closest level of oneness, of intimacy, of closeness with God. They wanted to touch infinity. They wanted to embrace the divine. To cleanse the doors of perception. And allow everything to appear as is infinite. And in that process they offered an alien fire. Which he did not command them. They could not deal and tolerate with the concept of commandments. Which represent limited constructs. This is the way you do it and this is the way you don't do it. This is how you live and this is how you do not live. They had the source of the core of what you might call a free spirit, which wanted to liberate itself from all constraints, from all limitations, go beyond all status quo, go beyond the place of mitzvahs, of tziva, of commandments which represent limitations, directives. This is forbidden, this is permissible. In that sense they were drunk, it's not just they were physically drunk. It's the wine brought out in them the passion, which is what fire represents. Passion. The yearning, the tension to go beyond the defined parameters of our life, of day-to-day responsibilities, schedules, limitations, and embrace and kiss infinity. They may have physically drunk, they may have physically drank wine, but this was an expression of an intense spiritual transcendental experience. Asher lai, which he did not command them, beyond commandments. This is what they were yearning for, this type of passion. They experienced it, but they could not remain within the containers. They died. Their souls expired. Their souls transcended their bodies. The electrical current, the voltage was too intense for the wires, for the containers, to be able to contain it. So you have a merchach in both. In both cases there is wine, but there is a difference. In the first case we have loy with a vav. Here we have loy with an aleph. Loi with a vav is affirmation. Loi with an aleph is negation. Loi with a vav means to him. He brought the wine to him. Loi with an aleph means not, no, absence. This was the difference. Yaakov was confronting the merchach full of Yitzchak. And Loi, he communicated, he brought, he introduced into that the water to calm it, to bring resolution with his tension, to cool off the passion. To create shuv, retreat, where there was an endless, limitless yearning. By Nadav and Aviyu, it remained a lie. And that's why it says they never got married. They did not have children. All of these factors represent the calming factors. When a person gets married, they must acknowledge the other person. Therefore, they have to limit their own expression. 
You cannot express yourself without any limitations of a schedule when you're in a relationship with somebody else because you have to respect the other person's space. Which is what frustrates so many people, especially artists, creative people, bohemians, free spirits. And sometimes it's not just narcissism and selfishness, although it could be that. Sometimes it comes from a genuine spirit of creativity and wanting to break out of all the molds and all the modes and all the constructs. But yes, that is a form of selfishness. It is a form of narcissism. Because it's about expressing your own creativity rather than sometimes accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. The same is true with having children. So the rabbis say, what did Nadav and Aviyu do? They brought an alien fire, they drank, they were inebriated, they didn't get married, they didn't want to have children. It all represents the same point. There was a merchachfula without the calming factor. There was a loy with an aleph, not a loy with a vav. Now we come to the third one. The third Merchachfula is also a law. This is a Lamed Hay. In Parshas Matas, what does the verse say? The verse tells us that Noivach went and conquered Knoss, Knoss and the other cities. He called her, which name Noivach? What does Noivach mean? Noivach means barking. Barking. It's associated usually with a dog. A dog which barks. Kelev, noiveach, the verse tells us. Representing, of course, very intense emotions. Barking, yearning, pining, asking for something. The Kabbalists say Kelev makes up two words. Kuloi lev, it's all emotion. It's all intensity. It's all passion. The lev is associated with fire versus the mind, which is associated with water, the Tanya says in chapter 3. The heart yearns, the heart pines, the heart craves. And the mind's job is to pour some water on the fire. Dilute the wine with water. In Talmudic days, we know that the wine was very, very intense. The Talmud speaks in numerous places in Halacha about diluting the wine with water. And sometimes the wine was so intense and so strong, it had to be diluted with water. You couldn't drink it without it. And that's what Yaakov did to Yitzchak. And that's what the, the mind does, is supposed to do for the heart. And it's in that balance, in that equilibrium where man actually achieves the purpose of creation. Ratzoi v'shoiv, the Pasuk says in Ezekiel chapter 1. Hachayos ratzoi v'shoiv. The angelic beings run and they return. They yearn and they settle down. They have tension but they have resolution. Because it's in this polarity with which we fulfill the objective of our existence. Because paradoxically, tension without resolution is a form of spiritual narcissism, as I said earlier. Because it becomes about self-expression and self-fulfillment. And coming back represents our humility to embrace our divine calling. Not what I ask of life, but what life asks of me. Not what I need from God, but what God needs from me. On the other hand, resolution without tension is a form of smugness, complacency, death. It can also lead to pompousness, arrogance. People who just don't want to be moved, they don't want to be touched, they want to sleep. There's a shul called Shara Shemaim, the gates of heaven. In New York, so somebody said, told me there's a sign that goes up July 4th. The gates of heaven are closed from July 4th to Labor Day. Just leave me alone, now it's time to calm down. 
There's an interesting chidah. This is on another level, parenthetically. The chidah brings that Vayikra La Noivach, La's acronym Lashon Hara. And Noivach is a barking dog. The Arizal writes that one of the punishments, one of the results of gossip, of people who speak gossip is that their souls are sometimes reincarnated into dogs. Because by a dog, the bark is often bigger than the bite. And that's what gossip is all about. The problem of Lashon Hara of gossip is not that by talking negatively about somebody else, you may destroy his life or her life. They may lose their job. Of course, that's a problem. But there's something more subtle and more deep. It's the bark more than the bite. It's the negative energy that's created by speaking negatively about people. Negative energy for yourself, for the people who hear it, for that person, for the people around him or her, with many practical ramifications. It's the bark more than the bite. So the result of law is noivach. There's an old interesting saying. It says like this. The Pasuk says, the verse tells us in Parshish Mishpatim that when you have the corpse of an animal which is not kosher, it was not slaughtered in a kosher way, so what should you do with it? Lakelov tashlichinos, you have to throw it to the dogs. You have to give it to the dogs. Why the dog from all animals? So Rashi tells us from the rabbis that God does not deprive any creature from the reward it deserves. The dogs, God owed something. Because in Egypt, when the Jews were leaving, it says, No dog uttered a pips. None of them gave a bark as the Jews were leaving Egypt after 210 years. God remembers, remembers the role of the dogs. And one day he tells the Jews, you have extra meat. You can't use it for yourself. So give it to the dog. So a rabbi once asked the Gavaldik a question. What about the frogs? The frogs ran into the ovens of Pharaoh to fulfill the second plague, Tzvardeya. They saturated his home. They went into his bedroom. But they also went into his ovens. Which means they sacrificed their life to go into hot ovens. Just to fulfill God's will. We don't see that the frogs were rewarded. And he answered and he said, here we see. As a mol is gringe zu hereinspringen in fire, wird zerhalten der Meul von Macht. Sometimes it's easier to jump into fire than to hold your mouth shut and to close your mouth. The dogs close their mouth, they get a special reward for that. So that's on a more practical level, the Chidor writes Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai about the law Neuvach. But here on a more mystical level, Neuvach represents the same the same intense passion of emotions connected to Gvura, connected to Yitzchak, connected to Nadav and Aviyu, connected to wine. And here we see an interesting thing. The, the, the gematria, the numerology of Neivach is 60. Nun is 50, Vez is 2, Ches is 8, it's 60. So we have the verse in Shir Hashirim in the Song of Songs. Hine mitasay shal ishloimai shishim giboyrim. Saviv la me giboyri yisrael kulam achuzei cherev. Melumdei melchameish charbay al yurechei mi pachad baleilis. The bed of King Solomon was surrounded by 60 mighty men of the mighty of Israel. All of them trained with the sword, trained to war. Each of them holding the sword from the fear at night. We see there were 60 Geboyim, 60 people associated with Gevura, with strength. Neuvach, which is 60, is associated with the Shishim Geboyim. It's the strength, it's the tension 
represented by Gvura, in contrast to Chesed. And then there is, of course, the acronym. The Nun of Neuvach represents Nun, represents the Nun Shari Bina. We know that there are 32 pathways to Chachma, 50 gates to Bina. The Sefer Yitzira, the Book of Formation, tells us one of the foundational books of Kabbalah. Lamed Beis Nesiv is Chachma Nun Shari Bina. The Beis of Neuvach stands for Bina. The Ches is Bina is the eighth attribute. When you begin with Malchus, and you go upwards. Of course, Bina is the eighth attribute. You're going to ask me, Bina is the ninth. The answer is, when you count Keser, you don't count Das. Keser das. So when you go up from Malchus, you go Malchus, and then Yisoyed, and then Hoid, and then Netzach, and then Tiferes, and then uh, Gevura, and then Chesed. And number eight is Bina. And number nine is Chachma. Number ten is Keser. So we have the Nun, the fifty gates to Bina. Beis is Bina. Ches is the eighth. Beis Ches is also Beis Chachma. Bina is a house. It's a container for Chachma. Chachma is the seminal flash of inspiration. You see, the Sephirotic tree, the ten divine attributes which are represented in the ten faculties of a person, have three columns, the right, center, and left column. On the right column you have Chachma, or by you it would be Chachma, and Chesed, and Netzach. On the left column you have Bina, and Gvura, and Hoid. Bina is associated with the left column, which is associated with Gvura. Therefore, what Gvura does emotionally, Bina does intellectually. Now, the elaboration of this concept is beyond the scope of tonight's class. Suffice it to say that Neuvach represents this level of Bina, of intense understanding, of decomposition. And hence Neuvach is associated with the energy of Gvura, which is 60. And here we'll see a fascinating thing. Rashi points this out on the word law. And now you open up your last source, source number 9 in your curriculum. The last Rashi. Rashi says, law This is the only law in the Chumash which doesn't have a point in the middle. Usually when you have law, in the middle of the hay, there's a little point, a little nakuda, which emphasizes the hay. It makes it more emphatic, more emphasized. It's called a dagesh. This is called a rafe, which means a very weak hay. This is the only law which doesn't have a, which doesn't have a, a point in the hay. Why? This name, Neuvach, did not last. And because it didn't last, therefore the hay is weak. As though it would say, Loi, it sounds like Loi. Loi means not. Loi doesn't mean not. Loi means to her. But we do a weak hay without a point to represent that he called her Neuvach, but the calling her Neuvach was weak. It was unstable, it did not last, it did not have the power of endurance, of consistency. Ultimately, the name Neuvach died. And that's why the law is missing the point which makes it weak, as though it would say loy. Although it doesn't say loy, but it's similar to loy in the sense that it's a weak law, it's a weak name. It does not endure. Because this is the truth about the Merchachfula. The tension of Gvura. The lack of complacency that exists within the person who becomes intoxicated with life 
and yearns to transcend all of the limitations and all of the constructs. This is true physically and it's also true spiritually and emotionally and psychologically on all levels. Sometimes people want to escape the responsibilities of life. They want to escape their own identity. They want to escape what they're dealing with on a day-to-day level. The best way to escape is go to the bar and take a drink. Or you don't have to go to the bar, take a drink and get intoxicated. You'll feel better, you'll be more loose, you'll be more free. The problem is, it does not last. It does not last. Because once the alcohol wears off, the person is back to himself, back to herself, back to their good old regular self, and often much more miserable than before, so they have to get drunk again, and then again, and then again, and it becomes their way of dealing with life. But that's not a way of dealing with life. It's escapism. An alcoholic once told me, he said, we drink alcohol in order to drown our sorrow. We fail to realize that sorrow floats. This is also true about psychological and spiritual alcoholism on a much more refined and transcendental level. The problem with spiritual transcendence, with yearning, with pining, with jumping, with climbing higher and higher and higher, it's filled with ecstasy. And it's great and it's powerful and it's overwhelming. But then when you land, what are you left with? And that's why it's critical that every experience of ecstasy should be internalized and brought back into the human vessel and into the human container. Every time you drink wine, you have to put in a little spiritual water there. The Yaakov poured wine into the water into the wine. So the first Merchachful is Lamedvav, Loi. The second is law absence. The third is law, law, which is the weak law without the point because it did not last. It did not enter. It's only in the synthesis. It's only in the integration between tension and resolution, between energy and container, between chaos and structure, between running and returning, between transcending and internalizing where the human being actually can touch the divine. Go beyond their own creativity and touch the truth of godliness, which is defined neither by wine or by water. But it's the center point. It's the Kavhem Tsai. And here we have the three letters. Lamed Vav is with a Vav. Lamed Aleph with an Aleph. Lamed He with a He. The Aleph represents Ima, the mother, Bina, representing the energy of Gevura, of strength, the left column. That's one Merchach Fula. Lamed Hay represents the energy of Malchus, femininity, which is associated with Gevura. Lamed Vav represents the energy of six. It's the middle column Vav, including Tiferes, the center column associated with Yaakov, who creates the integration between lights and vessels. Have a wonderful night. Ya <laughs> ya
Yeah, yeah, yeah.